Welcome to the Hello Someday podcast, the podcast for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. I'm Casey McGuire Davidson, ex-red wine girl turned life coach, helping women create lives they love without alcohol. But it wasn't that long ago that I was anxious, overwhelmed, and drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. I thought that wine was the glue holding my life together, helping me cope with my kids, my stressful job, and my busy life. I didn't realize that my love affair with drinking was making me more anxious and less able to manage my responsibilities. In this podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz, how to sit with your emotions when you're lonely or angry, frustrated or overwhelmed, how to self-soothe without a drink, and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. I am so glad you're here. Now let's get started. Hey there. I've got some big news for you that I have been not so patiently waiting to tell you about. After six months away, my super popular, completely free masterclass is back and it's better than ever. I've been working on it for months. So if you have been struggling to get sober momentum, please go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class. You can sign up for my free training, Five Secrets to Taking a Break from Drinking, even if you've tried and failed in the past. In this 60-minute masterclass, I am going to share with you all the things you need to stop doing because they're setting you up for self-sabotage and what you need to start doing instead. I am giving you the steps and the mindset shifts that I go through every day with my private coaching clients, and it is completely free. So if you are sober curious, if you've been thinking about taking a break from alcohol, this class is going to set you up for success. I promise you it is worth your time. So hit pause on this episode, go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class and save your seat. I could not be more thrilled today because my guest is Tommy Rosen. You probably know him, but he's an internationally renowned yoga teacher and addiction recovery expert who has spent the last three decades immersed in recovery and wellness. He holds advanced certifications in both kundalini and hatha yoga and has over 30 years of continuous recovery from addiction. Tommy teaches at yoga conferences, festivals, retreats, and online throughout the year, sharing the power of breath and movement to build vitality, boost immunity, and live optimally. He is the founder and CEO of Recovery 2.0, where he has created the Recovery 2.0 Global Community the Recovery 2.0 online conference series, the Recovery 2.0 group coaching program, and the Recovery 2.0 coach training. Tommy also leads yoga and recovery retreats and workshops internationally, spreading the message of don't just survive, 
thrive. So Tommy truly could not be more excited to have you here. I'm I'm so delighted to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. This is amazing. And just to jump in, you've done so much. I told you before uh, we hopped on the podcast that I have a client who's been to your retreats in Joshua Tree and Kripalu and was a founding member of Recovery Troop 2.0 and just says that the work you do has been completely life-changing. Thank you for that feedback. Uh, I I certainly hope so, because I I surely have needed to change my life (laughs) over the years. (laughs) Well, so tell me what got you into this work. I come to this work through direct experience with addiction. I really struggled in my adolescence, my, my childhood, my adolescent years, and into my 20s, really, really struggled with the outward expression of addiction that we know as drug addiction and alcoholism and, oh gosh, codependency and uh, sex addiction and and gambling addiction and money-based addictions and food-based addictions. And I really feel like I'm, uh, my experience has been through all of these different outward expressions of the thing that we call addiction. And so I have learned so much through direct experience and through my own suffering and pain and my own healing process, which has been uh, extraordinary for me to get to live in freedom from all those things I just named and to learn that there is such a thing as freedom from addiction. That's a new concept uh, from, from where I was coming from. And to, to be focused today and this day, you know, on health and wellness and connection and love and spirituality and, you know, better relationships, better more showing up more empowered and more effective in the world. Uh, it's been it's been an extraordinary journey, um, truly. Um, but I came to it originally really through my own suffering and having to get sober at age 22, going off to treatment, drug and alcohol treatment, uh, finding the 12 steps, uh, which was really for me, the first step was sort of the 12 step work was really foundational for me, mm-hmm. set me up for a lot of other work. Um, and uh, I, I've come to really look at, you know, these behaviors as really just ways that we've decided to cope with the joys and the challenges of life. And for some of us, most of us, I think, whether somebody considers themselves to be an alcoholic or a, an addict of any kind, or maybe they don't identify with that language, is I no longer identify with that language. But anybody who struggles with a bad habit and and they say to themselves, you know, I, I think my life would be better if I didn't have this habit and they try to release it, but they've had a hard time. Uh, That's, that's the space that I work in. Mm -hmm. That's the space I'm interested in is when a person can come to me and say, okay, uh, maybe some of them are really bad. And they say, you know, I think I'm an alcoholic or I think I'm an addict. I think I have this. I think I have that. Other people come and they just say, you know, I, I don't know what I am, but I'm engaging in behaviors that no longer serve me. Yeah, I'd like to stop, but I don't really know how. And so that's like, that's a sweet spot for me. That's exciting. And that's the work that I do today. That's, that's where I've come to uh, at this point. I think it's really interesting that you mentioned that you used to identify as an addict and alcoholic, and now you no longer 
identify that way or use those terms to describe yourself. Can you tell me about that evolution? Yes. Well, you use the word. The, the key word there is evolution. So I, I truly believe that human beings are meant to excel, evolve. I really mean that. I mean that human being, like it, built into our, our experience of life, is that we're actually here to experience an evolution in ourself, an evolution of the way we see things, the way we perceive, an evolution in our, our experience of, of life and our experience of spirit beyond this life. And so if that's true, then just the process of getting, you know, moving from, uh, for example, from using drugs and alcohol to not using drugs and alcohol, that's, that's an evolutionary decision that over time can bring evolutionary results. And when I first made that decision, my life was really destroyed. I mean, really, really, really destroyed. I was really, really in a tough place. And I could say to you, honestly, wow, I don't know if I can make it through this day without drinking, without using some, you know, smoking pot or, or whatever it was. And, and that is for me, it would be accurate for me to say at that time in my life, wow, I, I, I have this thing. I'm, I'm an addict. That's my current state of being. My current way of getting through the world seems to be in an addictive manner. So that's accurate language for me at that time. And maybe even important language for me to recognize the depth of my problem. Wow, I really have this thing. I can raise my hand and say, you know, yes, um, I'm an alcoholic mm -hmm. today. Like, this is what I'm feeling. Like, wow, I'm really feeling stuck. As a person moves down their evolutionary path, as, you know, for example, if you, let's say you put down uh, drugs and alcohol and you're doing, you're really facing your life and you start to learn and you start to grow and, and you have maybe fewer difficult days than you used to. Mm -hmm. You start to have more positive days than you used to. And maybe one day you wake up like I did about 30 years ago. And I, 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 I recognized and I caught myself not wanting to use drugs or alcohol anymore. And I recognized, oh, my God. I sincerely, sincerely don't want to do that anymore. Wow, how did that happen? Before, like maybe a year before, I couldn't imagine getting through a day without alcohol and drugs. And here I am a year later, and I can't imagine having those things in my day. Was that after you stopped? That was after I stopped. I had stopped and I had, I had, you know, been going to meetings, to 12-step meetings. And I had been talking to a lot of people in recovery and surrounding myself with people in recovery who were interested in this experiment of living life without drugs and alcohol. And it was beautiful. And, and I hadn't done that much work on myself or, I mean, I had, I had, I had made a decision to, to try to face life every day without drugs and alcohol. And I got a lot of suggestions along the way about how to do that. And I went to lots and lots of meetings and I communicated my emotional stuff, what was coming up for me in life and what was hard for me. And mm -hmm. lo and behold, I, I, I came to this place. 
And it was really remarkable. And I started to work the 12 steps and that feeling of, of, of freedom started to grow in me. My, my point in this is to say that the language that I was using at the beginning, later on, some years down the line, I, I said, you know what? I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not a drug addict. And that can be very confusing for people mm-hmm. because they always ask me a question when I tell them that. Oh, if you're not an alcoholic, well, that must mean that you can drink and there's no problem with it. Yeah. And I say, oh, no, 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 no. That's not the way to look at it. The way to look at it is, is I'm not an alcoholic. I recognize that alcohol is so counterproductive for my life. I would never want to engage with it. Mm-hmm. It's not actually helping me in any way. Yeah. It's only a form of distraction, a form of emotional ma- manipulation, and it, it it it's actually poison to my body. It, it makes me a little less alert, a little less aware, a little less conscious. It messes with my sense of self-confidence. Mm-hmm. It, me- it messes with my sense of like intuition, like a sense that I know I know what I'm doing and I know what to do and how to get through a day. God, that it really brings so much negativity into my life. The fact that I'm not an alcoholic, I make that statement is to say, I'm free from the illusion that that's going to do anything good for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're like, oh, wow, that's a new kind of idea. Yeah. You, you know? So, I, okay. so I, have needed, I just want to finish. I, I have needed different things at different times. As I've gone along my evolutionary process, and I needed different language. At the beginning, certain certain language was appropriate for me. In the middle, you know, middle being 15 years ago, and other language was appropriate for me. Even now, still more different language and different approaches. All right. So the point is, is that I've been in an evolution. Mm-hmm. And that is the most liberating and, and wonderful thing. So it's not a life sentence. Uh, these to raise your hand and say, "My name's Tom, my name's Tommy. I'm an alcoholic. My name's Tommy. I'm an addict." It's not a life sentence, um, but I have no illusion about what substances could do to destroy my life very quickly if I if I returned to them. So so is I, I'm just free. I'm liberated from it. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that, um, and I'm truly. One of my favorite things I've seen is Craig Ferguson did like a monologue on sobriety. And and um, I believe one of the things he said is, you know, I haven't had a drink in X number of years. I don't have a problem with alcohol. I could get one really quickly, you know, <laughs> if he drinks again. And, and I definitely feel that way when you said you're free um, one of the things I think, you know, in terms of like the word recovery, and I actually do use that sort of interchangeably with, I quit drinking, I no longer drink anymore. But at the same time, I feel like it kind of describes it in a way that for me isn't completely true. Because I'm like, when I was drinking, I was recovering every single day, I was at the bus stop with my kids with a brutal hangover and bloodshot eyes and kind of trying to pull myself through the day. I was like, Mm. I'm not recovering daily anymore. I'm just living. And I loved when you said you were free. 
Mm. Thank you. Yes. Well, that that um thing you said about you know uh, what Craig Ferguson had had mentioned in his in his monologue around this about having a problem. You know, the problem is being in a society that's so uh, skewed in its thinking yeah. that navigating a day without alcohol seems like that's a problem. Whereas if you drink alcohol in what society deems as a responsible way, well, that's normal. And, you know, and, and it brings up the wonderful quote by Krishnamurti. Uh, it's no, it's no boast to be well adjusted to an extremely sick society. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have to break out of that confusion around substances that, you know, oh, this is the way it's supposed to be. Oh, we, you know, we, you know, alcohol is everywhere in our society. And so we we've come to really believe that if you don't use it, it's probably because you have a problem with it, forgetting that the problem is that we're not facing our problems. We're not facing our emotions. We're not facing our lives. And we pay terrible prices for that. Yeah. I mean, I saw just last night, clearly the Instagram algorithm for sponsored posts targeted me and in, in, they made a mistake, but it was this retail thing of all these um, products you know, between wine glasses and tea towels and every sign that were like, you know, wine stoppers are for quitters. And, you know, my job is to drink all the wine. And, you know, I mean, I've even seen ones like saying, I'm not slurring, I'm, um, I'm talking in cursive. And it just, it's so gross to me mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. um these things from your birthday cards to everything else are are targeting us to drink more to encourage it to normalize it like you mm -hmm. said it's so normalized in our society and i mean those products in particular are so clearly targeting women and mm -hmm. you know you see it in the numbers in terms of the mm -hmm. number of women who are dying from alcohol related diseases. What I'm seeing rampant is that we are under the influence. So I'm going to use that term in a broader sense than we often use that. So we'll usually use that term, as we all know, in related in relation to being under the influence of, of a substance or, or alcohol. Oh, you're driving under the influence, DUI. Uh, you're under the influence, you know, you've drank, you know, that idea. Um, what we're all under is the influence of marketing yeah. and media. And unfortunately, I, I can I I do feel, you know, being a man, there's there's obviously a male version to what yes. I'm about to say. Yes. But I think we're we're speaking to a lot of women here. And I and I and what I can can observe from my vantage point is that it is really, really difficult for a woman in our society, for a young girl. And then a woman in our society to feel confident. Because we're being told from the beginning that we're missing something, almost like an original sin. Mm -hmm. We're missing something to begin with. And we're going to need a whole bunch of products and services and changes and things. And if we can just get the, 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 the approach, if we can just get our approach just exactly right, 
maybe we could eke out some sense that everything's okay or that we are okay. Yeah. What do we know about addiction? It comes from a sense of lack. It comes from a sense of insecurity. It comes from a sense of I'm not enough. It comes from a sense of I don't fit in. And it comes from stress and anxiety and our marketing and our media machines in the society. And there's no one you can point to. There's no one person you can point to. The system is set up to create insecurity. And I do believe that women, uh, to a great extent, take the brunt of it and are told from the beginning of their lives that things aren't going to work out for them unless they buy this or do this or change this or da-da-da-da-da-da. So very painful. And so we're under the influence. What can we do? We have to get sober from those influences. We have to spend time around people who celebrate us as we are. We have to get into the habit of celebrating ourselves as we are. This for me is where the practice of meditation and yoga come in. Because if you're really doing yoga the way I I feel yoga, I feel the promise of yoga is to bring you into connection with your true self. And your true self is a perfect divine essence within you. From that place, you can start to sort of really be connected and really show up in the world in an authentic way, which isn't fraught with insecurity and fraught with (laughs) this feeling that something's, you know, wrong beyond repair. And so it's a, it's a difficult time. And I think particularly for women, I do. I mean, I know that yoga and meditation are a huge part of your movement and healing. Can you tell us more about that? Like how that um, manifests in terms of practice or, or how you work with people with that in recovery 2.0? Yes. I love this question. And yoga for me is central to my life and to the work that I do in the world. And I feel that it's not something that people, especially people who are trying to evolve and are, and this is, this is everyone, I believe if we're interested in evolution and, and showing up in better and better ways in the world to have a practice, a yoga practice and a meditation practice are essential. These are like the great gifts to our humanity. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's really, uh, it's not a give or take thing. It's just figure out a way to get onto the mat, get with some teachers and start practicing. For me, um, as I told you, I was struggling in so many ways in my head. My mind was not my best friend, I would say, for a long time. My emotional body, my emotions were so stuck. My body, chronic pain, a lot of pain in my body. And all these things go together, of course. Uh, The insecurities and the mind and the busy mind and the stuck emotions and all of that works to create pain in the body. And so I say that anyone in recovery, anyone on this evolutionary path has experienced chronic pain. Mm -hmm. Everybody, every 100% of the people, because if it wasn't a physical chronic pain, we certainly know emotional chronic pain. And let's not disconnect that from the rest of the body because it all goes together. Mm -hmm. So yoga, yoga comes in and it's, it's basically like this. You get on a mat. We're talking now about the physical practice of yoga, but of course, yoga is so much more than that. But just at the beginning, you get on a mat and a teacher might 
direct your attention to your breath. And the teacher might put you into a particular posture, um, a pose, a yoga pose, and ask you to breathe long and deep for say five breaths. And you do that. And while you're there, you're not pushing beyond your limit. You're just experiencing the feeling of being in that posture for five breaths. Mm. That might be the most present moment you've had for years when you first start. Yeah. And I remember my first yoga class ever. I, I, it was the hardest thing I ever did to that moment in my life, physically. The single hardest thing I had ever done. And I had done some difficult things. This was the single <laughs> most difficult. The being present for five breaths, that part. The physical, well, the, the physical reality of getting through a 90-minute yoga class. Oh, yeah. In three minutes, there was sweat pouring off my brow. I was shaking in all of my muscles. I had so much tension in my body that I wasn't aware of. Yeah. And so to try to stretch my way into these postures was me literally fighting me. There were no weights. There was no competition. I wasn't going up against anybody else. It was just me and me. And I felt like I was losing, <laughs> you know, and 90 minutes, how would I do it? It seemed like an interminable amount of time. Now, 90 minutes is nothing. My whole relationship with time changed through the practice of yoga also. But I sweated so much and I moved so much and I began to open up this body and create more mobility, more, more, um, more flexibility and, and also more strength, more stamina. Mm -hmm. I became strong from the inside out and it felt great. And it was like, wow, this is an amazing feeling. And that's where it began because my drug addiction and my alcoholism and all of it was, it all began with, wow, this is an amazing feeling. Yeah. I like the way this feels. Well, here was a yoga practice, a, a, a difficult physical practice. And at the end of it, I was like, wow, I feel like I'm high. Hmm. And what I meant by high was just, I feel like I'm free. Yeah. I like this feeling and I've only known this feeling through using drugs and alcohol. Wow, what a liberation. Yeah. So that's the physical, that's the initial physical, but then all yoga leads to stillness, silence, and meditation. And this is where, when you really finally get to know yourself. I had always known myself as an anxious kid, hyperactive kid, um, someone who had a lot of potential, but never really felt he was gonna realize his potential. You know, so there's always like a lack of motivation, lack of completing of tasks, this kind of thing, procrastination, a lot of self-doubt and negativity. And little by little, I was able to work on that through the practice of yoga and the practice of recovery and the practice of abstinence. This is really where it all began. And so yoga, the, the, the word yoga literally means a union. It means to bring together. And if you think about that, by definition, it's kind of the opposite of addiction. Addiction is where nothing comes together. Yeah. It's where everything is disconnected. And one feels disconnected from oneself, disconnected from others, disconnected from any sense of spirit. There's a reason we call alcohol spirits. 
you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, we're trying to make up for that lack of connection. And so yoga comes in and it starts to reestablish these core relationships, relationship with self, relationship with others, relationship with spirit, relationship with the breath, relationship with this body, relationship with the planet and all that it gives us. We maybe even start to develop this thing called gratitude where we're actually, you know, happy to be alive, literally happy to be alive. And, and at the end of the day, whether it's been a hard day or, or an easy day or a wonderful day or whatever day, you can just simply say and mean it. Oh, thank you for this day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, you don't even know who you're saying thank you to. Some people, for some people, that's God or spirit or higher power or whatever. Other people don't have that sense of, of a God or a thing like that. And for them, it's just like, well, I'm just saying thank you just to say thank you. Mm-hmm. And that's a sweet thing to do. Yeah. So, you know, everything changed through the practice of yoga. And it took my recovery, my healing, my evolution to the next level. When I was drinking, I used alcohol to calm my mind, to relieve anxiety, and to sleep well at the end of a busy day. I didn't know that alcohol actually spiked my stress hormone, increased anxiety, and as little as one glass of wine a night reduced my sleep quality by 24%. I was really excited to find Tanasi, a better way to find calm, rest, relief, and to reduce inflammation. Tanasi creates the highest quality, scientifically validated CBD and hemp extract products. Tanasi's formula includes a unique combination of CBD and CBDA in every dose, which is two times more effective than just CBD alone. So if you want to create a sense of calm, to calm your mind, to relax before bed for a great night of sleep, try Tanasi. Tanasi's being really generous with our listeners. You can go to Tanasi.com and use code HELLO to get 25% off at checkout right now. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with the promo code HELLO and get ready to sleep well. I love that you said that it gave you the sense of being, you know, quote unquote high, because I hear so often from people that they're, you know, one of their biggest fears of stopping drinking or drugs is Will I ever feel that high, that buzz, that relaxation, that, you know, transformation of just being chill and being happy and being fuzzy again? Do you hear that too? Oh, gosh. I I think it's one of the things that keeps people using drugs and alcohol more than almost any other fear is, oh, my God, I what what will I turn to? Mm-hmm. how how will i you know for some people it's how will i turn off my mind ever yes how will i find a sense of relaxation you know and uh you know for some it's like oh god the party as i've known it is over mm-hmm. the party's over and it's like the party's not over the party is changing shape you're about to come to the greatest party you've always wanted to come to <laughs> but you don't you don't know it yet it's the greatest, greatest party you would ever want to be at. Mm-hmm. 
And I tell people in, in recovery, you got to get high every day. I love that. Every day. You got to get high every single day. It's just that the way we get high now is are, are through natural means, mm-hmm. really, really profound ways to get high and experience um, a sense of freedom and a sense of wellness, sense of connection. Mm-hmm. Every day, I have to feel that. That's that's something that I do, and um, I do it through the practice of yoga, meditation athletics, Mm -hmm. singing, dancing, listening to music, going to live music, immersions in nature. I love to connect with my wife and the people that I love and really connect with them, not just sort of surface connect, but like really be, hey, you know, settling in with them. Yeah. I love to cook. I love looking at art. I love music. I, 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 it's just such a rich and wonderful and extraordinary experience. So many ways to, to alter my consciousness without chemicals. Mm-hmm. And I like to explore those ways. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing that for many, many thousands of years, maybe since the beginning of human experience, we have been interested in changing our consciousness and in seeing things differently, expanding our perspective. I think this is part of our evolution. And, and it doesn't, it doesn't require drugs and alcohol to do it. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not coming out here, you know, anti-drugs, anti-alcohol, you know, there are people who, who, you know, do engage in drugs and alcohol at some point in their life where it can actually serve them. Like it served me when I was a young, a young kid, I had nothing else at my disposal. Mm-hmm. I was hyperactive. I was unable to turn off my mind. I didn't have yoga. I didn't have meditation. I had a very difficult situation at home. And so, you know, when I used to smoke cannabis, it served a purpose for me. And I evolved. And then I needed something else. And cannabis no longer served me. In fact, it took so much from my life. I needed to put it down, but I never would have known that if I didn't put it down. Yeah. So a lot of people come to me and they're like, you know, I don't like the word alcoholic. I hear this all the time. I don't want to call myself an alcoholic. I'm like, well, don't. Don't. That's not really the point, is it? And they're like, well, it's kind of the point because, you know, if I'm an alcoholic, then that means I can't drink. And if I'm not an alcoholic, then that means I can drink. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so you're coming to me for permission <laughs> because you want to ask if I think you're an alcoholic or not. You know, what you're really wanting is you want permission to continue in the same behaviors you've been engaging in, which no longer serve you. Yeah. And so whether you use the label alcoholic or not, the better question is, is, how would I like to show up in the world? Mm-hmm. What would I like to do with my time? If I could write out the script of my life, would I be drinking? Is that the thing I would be doing? Um, you know, in order for me to, to realize the fullest expression of my life. And if most people are honest with themselves, you know, nobody wants drinking as a lifestyle. You know, it, it's, it's, it's just, you know, I would say, I don't think it was ever meant to be a lifestyle, but we took it a little far. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then we adopted it as the thing, as the thing that we do, you know, yeah. does that make sense? Oh, it makes complete sense. And I mean, I loved so much about what you just said. Um, I was smiling when you said yoga and meditation, but then I loved how you added in music and art and cooking and connection. Um, it's kind of funny. I today am taking my first guitar lesson in 14 years with the teacher. Wow. I absolutely loved. I took lessons from him for five years up until my son was born. And then my son was, he's 14 now. But when I play guitar, it's so funny. It I like literally almost start crying sometimes when I'm singing and I am not good. Like I'm not a great singer. I'm not a great player, but it's weird that it's one. And they're like happy, emotional, overcome with, with whatever emotion, um, feelings. And I don't really mm. get that anywhere else, despite the fact I'm alone and I'm not good at it. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I mean, I love what you're talking about and you're talking about your creativity. Mm hmm tapping into something that touches a lot of different levels of a person's being. Yeah. And you just, you just like opening your, your throat and your mouth and your lungs and using your, your instrument, your body to sing is incredible thing to do. And it does light up your brain in that. Of course it way. Does. Yeah. Of course it does. So I remember being in uh, India no, no, no. We were in we were in an ashram in the United States, and an Indian, a revered Indian teacher, happened to be there. And a woman asked a question of him and said, "You know, what do you recommend for for depression? Like, you know, there's rampant depression these days, and people are really struggling." And and without missing a beat, he said, "For depression, we recommend singing and dancing. Those are the those are the two most powerful natural antidepressants. Yeah. Because we sing and we dance. And and you'll notice that people who are depressed are not doing those things. <laughs> and this yeah. it's they're actually the last things that those folks want to do. And so we have to we have to get ourselves up by by any means we can and get up and sing and open our mouths and sing and dance and move the energy. And I, I truly, truly, truly believe that that would be super helpful for 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 almost anyone yeah. who's stuck in anxiety or depression or whatever it is. So get high every day. Yeah. Do it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, I know you also talked about a few different things. You mentioned, of course, um, being a hyperactive kid, being um having, you know, negative thinking. And I've heard you talk about the four aggravations, the thought addictions that we get trapped in. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes. The um, the four aggravations came from out of essentially a meditation or contemplation when I was thinking about what are the things that lead a person into addictive behavior? What, what people normally think of as addictive behaviors, like taking drugs or drinking addictively, or I, I call it the big six. So the big yeah. six, just quickly, drugs, alcohol, food addictions, all of them, 
uh, people addictions, that's relationships and codependency and sex addiction, and then money addictions. Uh, so gambling, shopping, or constantly being in a state of debt. Mm. I consider that an addiction as well. And then six would be um, technology and the ways that we use technology in an addictive fashion. Yeah. So those are the big six. And I was contemplating like, well, there are, are addictive processes that are in place in a way before we use those substances or, or behaviors. And so the four aggravations came out of that. They're negative thinking, self-doubt, procrastination, and resentment. So those are the four. Uh, there, there are probably one or two or three that I could add uh, under further sort of reflection, the four aggravations. You know, you could you could look at shame and guilt as possibly another one. And But those four, self-doubt, um, the idea here is that addiction is any behavior you continue despite it bringing a negative consequence into your life. So with self-doubt, that's a behavior, that's a belief system. You doubt yourself, you doubt your ability, you doubt your worth in some way that it brings a lot of pain into your life and it just continues. And some people feel like, like they're not doing that. Like I have self-doubt, uh, it's happening to me. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing it. No, you're participating in a belief system that no longer serves you. And this is where we start to look at addiction in a much broader perspective. Mm -hmm. So now rather than thinking about a substance, and sometimes people can relate to this, they'll say, okay, well, I certainly have dealt with self-doubt. And some people have even said to me, I am plagued by self-doubt. Yeah. And I mean, even people who are outwardly are successful, mm -hmm. plagued by self-doubt, they've told me. And so my reflection is that you cannot be successful in this life if you are plagued by self-doubt. That we cannot have a successful existence. And that if you kept on with self-doubt and you kept believing whatever the story is that made you feel poorly about yourself, eventually, I believe that you would need to adopt a behavior that would treat the symptoms of those belief systems. And what are the symptoms of self-doubt? Misery, depression, repression, suppression, anxiety, stress. You don't even know where it's coming from. And in the back of your mind, maybe even unconscious, subconscious stuff, you're thinking somewhere back there, it's not going to work out for me. I can't handle this. I don't belong here. Nobody loves me the way I need to be loved. You know, whatever the stories are. Yeah. And those stories keep you stuck. So that's just self-doubt. That's as an example. And then, you know, um, negative thinking is just this this almost like a uh, like a force field of that people put out into the world of just judgment condemnation negative blaming complaining terrible terrible negativity you can't have a successful life and be stuck in negative thinking yeah oh my gosh can we talk about perimenopause menopause and postmenopause for a minute 
I am 48, so if you are going through it, I'm right there with you. I mean, hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts, the low moods, the poor sleep, it is not cool. And that's why I was really excited to find a supplement called Hormone Harmony by Happy Mammoth. It contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like those super fun hormonal changes. It helps reduce menopause symptoms head on. And if you're interested in trying it, you can use the code HELLO for 15% off your first order. Women cannot stop raving about it on social media, but the biggest benefit is the simplest, feeling like yourself again. So if you're going through this, like I'm going through this, for a limited time, you can get 15% off your first order at happymammoth.com with promo code HELLO. That's happy, M-A-M-M-O-T-H.com. And use promo code HELLO for 15% off your first order. And procrastination. I'm sorry, please. Oh, no. I'm just wondering. I completely agree with you. But how do you shift people out of this? You know? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. You, you, can, you can shift out of these things for sure. Um, you know, for one thing, you have to get around positive people. Your yeah. environment makes a big difference. I'm very, very, we are affected by others. I, I would, the way I would put it is consciousness is contagious. Yeah. So you, you need to be around people of a higher level so that you can be, you can sort of catch their consciousness, if you will. So, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're stuck in neg- negativity, you have to begin to work that out. First of all, you have to be able to see it. Wow. Like, you know, somebody might say to you one day, my God, you are such a negative person. And you would not receive that well. You might say a few expletives to that person. You might deny the statement. No, that's that's not me. That's not me. You don't really know me. Or you might try to defend it. Well, yes, I am negative. But if you really knew what had happened to me, you'd understand why I have every right to be negative. Now, that's a self-defeating way of thinking. Yeah. But we can understand it. We can have compassion for it because some very difficult things have happened to some people. But we want to help those people to get out of living a life that's affected by whatever traumas or difficulties they've experienced. Mm -hmm. We don't want people to be stuck there for a lifetime. It's not fun for them. And it's not fun for anybody else. Yeah. And this victim resentful. Absolutely. And so the first... The first step is is awareness. Wow, and, and acceptance. Wow, I'm aware that I'm carrying a lot of negativity. That's a that's a huge thing for someone to admit. Yeah. That's so powerful. And then you can begin to work on it and catch yourself. Wow, I'm being negative right now. What's bothering me? Where is this coming from? You can work with therapists. You can work the 12 steps. And really learn where your resentments are coming from. You know, we can learn where our triggers are coming from. We can start to grow beyond them. And we can have compassion for ourselves, forgiveness for ourselves. And that leads into forgiveness for others. Mm -hmm. This is called evolution. This is emotional maturity. 
Yeah. Growing up. We're not just waking up spiritually. We also have to grow up emotionally. And, and sometimes when somebody says to us, wow, you are such a negative person. That might be just the wake up call we need that changes our, our life forever. Yeah. And so for me, the wake up call came because I was destroying my life with drugs and alcohol. Of course, I was behaving poorly. That's what people who are drug addicts and alcoholics do. It's not because I'm a bad person, but I was behaving badly and I would have to change those behaviors. But I wouldn't be able to do it until I let go of drugs and alcohol and began to see what was going on with my thought process and my beliefs and my insecurities and all the things that were working on me. And I've been working on those things for a lifetime. I work on them this morning. I work on them this evening. I work on them right now with you. I'm thinking about literally thinking about myself and the things that I'd like to work on in my life and be even better at. And the whole while I'm I'm in a in a shower of self-forgiveness because I'm human and I accept my humanity and my imperfection. Mm-hmm. And and uh, underneath all of it is gratitude just for the opportunity to be able to see, to see my own blind spots and the places that I have to grow and to give everybody else a break too. You know, we need to give each other a little bit of a break and ourselves. Procrastination and resentment were the final two of the four aggravations. And I don't think they need too much explanation. You know, procrastination is just that very silly thing where you, you decide I'm not going to do the thing I know I need to do. Mm. Instead, I'm going to distract myself from the pain I'm feeling because I'm not doing the thing I'm supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's procrastination. And uh, it doesn't work out. It's mathematically a poor way to live this life. And then resentment, you know, carrying these negative emotions towards a person, a place or a thing mm-hmm. that, that we that did something we perceive as wrong or that was wrong. And that hurt was hurtful for us at some point in the past. And we also must work these things out to live a great life. Yeah, because resentment sort of poisons you in the same way that alcohol and drugs do in terms of just you're feeling all this anger, but at the same time, it's only hurting yourself. I've never heard it put better than that. Um, and, And I would say that resentment is as destructive to a human being as alcohol or drugs. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I don't know about you, but I cannot believe how fast this year is flying by. We're all busy, but one of the most important things you can do to make sure you're on the right path is to carve out some time to celebrate your victories and to notice what you've wanted to change but haven't been able to yet. Whether you're navigating sobriety, setting boundaries, or striving to be the best version of yourself, therapy can be a game changer. Therapy is for anyone looking for growth and support. And if you're considering it, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's convenient, it's flexible, and it's entirely online. So take a moment for yourself and visit betterhelp.com forward slash someday to get 10% off your first month. 
That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash someday. Yeah. Yeah. And it's wonderful the way you put that because it sounds like when you when you were talking about that, you said, you know, you stopped alcohol, you stopped drugs, and then you had all these other things to work on. And I really do feel like the first step of healing, if you have a problematic or, or difficult or you're addicted to alcohol, is stopping that self-sabotage and that cycle and that poisoning of your body and mind. But then there is so much more healing to be done. Yeah, the, the healing begins, in a sense, once your primary addictions are put down yeah. or released for a moment. That's That's when you finally... You know, I, I guess what I would say it like like this: if if there are people in this world who, you know, are not quote unquote alcoholics in the sense of they're not drinking to excess and they're able to drink in their life and have a life that works for them, mm-hmm. um, they too, in my opinion, need to release the habit or the habitual use, even just, hey, I come home at night and I unwind with a couple glasses of wine. In order to walk what I call the path of discovery, which I believe, which I have experienced and which I believe leads to freedom for anybody, Mm -hmm. you have to take periods of time where you're not changing your emotional state. You're not unwinding through the use of chemicals. That you are present to your emotional experience. You're present to the things that are happening for you in your life. And you're looking for the lessons in your challenges rather than trying to, uh, you know, shift them. Yeah. Now, there are extreme examples of people in the world who are under, you know, some abhorrent poverty or they're subjected to slavery or they are in a war zone. And these are extreme examples of suffering and pain at the human level. And I'm not really speaking about these situations Um, because the recommended, I I don't have suggestions for people in, in those extreme situations because um, they're so extreme that those people just have to get through a day. They're, they're in such a, a difficult situation that, they are in the mode of survival, literally. And so some people, you know, might say, you know, well, what you're saying, Tommy, really doesn't apply for the people of Ukraine, you know, who are in the middle of a war right now. And I'd, I'd say, well, some of what I'm saying does apply to anybody. And let's be aware of 
and take into consideration these extraordinary circumstances that a part of humanity is experiencing in in abject suffering. Mm -hmm. So I just want to say that as a sort of a note that we're talking about people in our society in the United States of America who are able to put food on the table and and who are struggling with their mind Mm -hmm. and, and struggling with belief patterns and struggling with, you know, insecurities and struggling with the human condition. Uh, So that's who we're really talking about here, you know? Yeah. I think it's really interesting that you put it that way. And I know you also talk about the three bottoms. Can you tell me a little more about that? Mm. Well, so the three bottoms are not necessarily the three bottoms that every human being is going to experience, but maybe I haven't thought it through all the way to see if if I feel and sense this extends to all humanity. But it certainly was true for me. My first bottom. uh, So let's just define bottom. First of all, Um, a bottom is a point that you reach with a behavior or a belief system that is not serving you. And you reach the moment where you recognize the truth, which is that you have to let it go. Whether it's a behavior or a belief system, you have to let it go because you won't make it if you don't. You can't imagine going forward, thinking and believing the same way you've been. But the bottom aspect of it is that you also don't know what to do next. You're stuck. Yeah. You reach the bottom and and, and what, what precipitates out of that is a surrender. So a bottom also has been defined as a moment when you're ready to finally tell the truth. So my first bottom was the bottom of desperation. Bottom of desperation. And the desperation, we speak about the gift of desperation in recovery. Why is it a gift? Because I was so desperate, I had no other choice. So I could no longer fight myself. And it gave me the opportunity to move on to a new path. Whereas if I had a, another option or another way, I might not have chosen that. Yeah. So that's how I got sober the first time. That's when I went off to treatment, drug and alcohol treatment. I got sober. That was because of the gift of desperation. That was my first bottom. I'd stay sober for a year. And then I went out and I had more experimentation. I wasn't done yet. And I'd, I'd be out relapsing, using drugs and alcohol for the next year. And then I came to my second bottom at the end of that next year. We'll call this the bottom of self-disgust. So this was... <laughs> This was no longer about desperation. Mm -hmm. I actually had a job. I had uh, a home. I had a car. I had sort of the basic trap. I had friends. But I had come to a bottom, which in some ways is a more powerful and more, more, a longer lasting bottom, which was I had become sick of myself. And I had I had started to feel, wow, I'm really fed up with this behavior. I'm really fed up with the way things have been going in my life. And I can tell that this could go on for a lifetime. And I don't think I can, can stomach that. And at that point, I'm curious, were you hiding that 
you were drinking and doing drugs again after going to rehab and being sober for a year? Or did pretty much everyone know at that point that you were you were doing that again? No, I was I was uh, well, yes and no. I was I was hiding it certainly from my family. Yeah. Uh for sure. Um, I was hiding it from many of my sober friends. Yeah. <laughs> and then there were then there were the people that I could find in the world who knew I had been sober, but they were still using drugs and they were willing to use drugs with me. Yeah. I find that's they, pretty common, right? So you have yeah. a period of sobriety and you make a lot of connections with people who are also on that that sober, that recovery path. And obviously the people closest to you Mm. Um, have witnessed, you know, your desperation originally or your commitment. And then when you go back, it, it's sort of a dual thing. I mean, you know, too much, right? That's the self disgust. Mm. You know how you felt without it. And then also you're hiding it. So it's almost harder to ask for help sometimes. Absolutely. There was, uh, for sure, there was a sense of, I don't, I don't, I'm not in touch with a feeling of shame at that time. Yeah. I'm not in touch with that. I think it was more about, there was certainly an arrogance to me. You know, I'm doing this and, you know, I don't know where it's leading. It's probably not leading to a great place, but I'm doing this because I'm doing this. And, you know, I don't want to hear from anybody about it. Yeah. That (laughs) That kind of arrogance. Um, but but that underneath that arrogance is me quietly sort of contemplating the fact that I know this isn't going well. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, I didn't have the benefit of treatment. I didn't have the benefit of recovery at all. Now I was like, wow, I, I really don't know what I stand for. Yeah. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm kind of floating through each day. I'm just sort of, again, surviving, but I'm not thriving. And I can't, I can't tolerate that. I'm guessing that the people who are listening to this don't want to live a life like that either. Yeah. And that's what I, I just got sick of myself. And so I stepped back into meetings. I raised my hand. I got a sponsor. It's a long story, but I wrote about it in my book, uh, Recovery 2.0. And I got sober. I got sober for the final time, June 23rd, 1991. And then later in my recovery, I would I would reach another bottom much later. And this was the bottom around my core issues. This was the bottom that I had to face if I was going to grow into an adult and grow into um, someday, hopefully, an elder, meaning a wise person. Mm-hmm. That if I could be a wise person in this life, that would be about whew, the greatest thing I can imagine. Uh, maybe aside from just being completely awake, uh, but that would include wisdom. So in order to get to that place, we're all going to have to go through the portals of, of our core issues. And for me, that was codependency, really struggling with relationships with women, and romantic relationships. Oh God, so much pain and so much difficulty. Um, and you know, now I'm in my very happy 22 year relationship with my wife, Kia, who I love so much and and who loves me. And, 
you know, my old friends are like, I don't know how you did it. You know, because they saw me when I reached my third bottom, that codependent bottom, that money bottom. Who am I in this world? How do I use my gifts? How can I make money in this world and support myself? How can I, you know, all this human struggle, how can I be here effectively as me? And that was the third bottom. Um, it's the, the bottom of, of, of the, I would call it just the core, right down to the core. Yeah. And, and, and I'm working that core and those issues are like part of the tapestry of my life rather than looking for like, you know, a cure. Cause I think that is a trap. Like when people say, is there a cure for addiction? I'm like, let's ask another question. <laughs> let's ask another question. Let's ask, how can we be free today? Yeah. How can we be on the right path today? You know, let's, let's ask that question. And, and if we can be on the, on the right path today, and we do that on a successive number of days, we're going to be on our evolutionary path and, and everything is going to turn out today and every day exactly the way it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same way with our core issues. We are who we are and we've experienced what we've experienced. And so what we're interested in is healing, processing through and ultimately transcending. And, and when we transcend something, there's also this fluctuation. We've all seen this. We call this relapse. Yeah, I was just about to ask you about that. You know, and so that, that the, the fluctuation energetically can take place, but we, we continue to do our work on a daily basis. And then we establish ourselves at that new place. Mm -hmm. But we don't have the illusion that that new place is going to be without its struggles and without its lessons. And this is what we've signed up for as hum human beings. And so we are on our path of, of evolution, our path of discovery. And, uh, and this is what it is. And it's exciting and wonderful. And we're lucky to get to do it. This is how I feel. You caught me on a good day. <laughs> if you catch me on a, a really bad day, I, I you know, I'm, I'm trying not to complain and blame ever anymore. I don't see the value in that anymore. There's no value in blaming and complaining. Zero. I mean, no value. Mm -hmm. And so when I catch myself doing that, I'm like, oh, Tommy, I forgive you. You're so human. Yeah. <laughs> Let's keep moving forward. You know, you're responsible here. You're, you're in the driver's seat. Let's, let's learn what we need to learn. Yeah. So these are some of the musings from out here in the field of Recovery 2.0 these days. I love that. And it was really, I've never heard it put this way, but when you talked about your first bottom being desperation and your second bottom after having a period of sobriety and doing work and then going back out to experiment to, to use alcohol and drugs again, being self-disgust, I had such a similar experience, meaning I I got to that kind of breaking point where I'm just like, you know, I can't cope. I can't deal. Stopped drinking through lots of help and then got pregnant. So I didn't drink for a year. Amazingly, my life was so much better. Go figure. I felt better. I was happier. I was more calm, more confident. 
And then I decided, okay, now I'm going to moderate again and drank for another 22 months really quickly back to where I was really quickly back to not being able to cope and waking up asking myself what's wrong with me and the self-loathing and the defensiveness and the guilt. And, and the second bottom was I, this is leading nowhere good which is what you said. And you knew too much, right? You knew that it for me, I knew it was the alcohol, I knew it was self sabotage, I knew I could feel so much better. And I've never heard that, you know, the self disgust uh, bottom, but that is definitely what helped me stop for the last time. And I feel like having that experiment, like you said, experimenting again, having that period of sobriety and work, and then having that period of of drinking again was what finally got me to stop for good. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other work. Um, would you tell us about Recovery 2.0? How I mean, I know you do so much. I've had friends who just rave, you know, two different friends who rave about your retreats and your membership mm-hmm. and all it includes. But Will you share with us how that how that works? So thank you for the question about Recovery 2.0. This, you know, is really a group of people who have embraced a holistic approach to recovery. We offer a, a multi-pronged program and lifestyle and way to way to you know move forward along this evolutionary path that we've been talking about called life. And it includes a membership. We have uh, now we have over um 30, I think 35 meetings a week on Zoom now. So all day, every day, multiple meetings a day that are open to the general public, free to anybody who wants to attend. We have our paid membership, which is for people who really want to get into our our Monday night live events that we do every week and our Thursday night coaching events that we do every week and uh, all of our, our music events. We do a lot with music and a lot with song and dance, you know. Uh, it's about celebrating. And so our, our membership is really fun and and, and powerful. Um, and, and we have, you know, we're, we're just, we have a new podcast that's coming out soon called in the circle with Tommy Rosen. Awesome. And, and that's going to be, is really straightforward recovery Q and a, um, I'd say it's like profound questions coming from normal everyday people about addiction and recovery mm-hmm. and, and about all areas of human experience. So that's coming up and yeah, you know, we do our, our retreats, our live retreats and workshops and classes uh, in person across the United States. Uh, we bring people to Costa Rica uh, for Thanksgiving every year. We're about to go with about uh, 75 people in various stages of recovery, which is so exciting. And then we, I take a group of people to India every March Wow! and we have a spiritual immersion in India. It's just extraordinary experience. I, Highly recommend it to to anybody interested in taking their their whole life and their program to that next level. And th- those are some of the things we have going on. You know, check into our YouTube and our Instagram, and we're always putting up inspiring content and trying to make a difference in the way people, you know, see themselves and and see recovery and see addiction in this world. Amazing! Thank you! Thank you! Thank you! <laughs> My pleasure. I'm so I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Yeah. I know you have to run, but this has been amazing. So I'll let you run. Thank you.
Well, thank you so much, Casey. And uh, thank you for your incredible podcast and all the work you're doing. And I, I, I look forward to connecting, hopefully, you know, in person sometime. Oh, I would love that, truly. Okay. All right. The India ones. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Incred- that total bucket list. Okay. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hello Someday podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me, the work I do, and access free resources and guides to help you build a life you love without alcohol, please visit hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I would be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find it and join the conversation about drinking less and living more. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.